Hey, hey, welcome to episode number 51 of the Brave Widow Show. Today, we've broken a record. Today, we have impacted our sixth country outside of the United States. We've had England, Canada, Pakistan, the Philippines, Australia, and now China. So super exciting today to talk to our guest who... Uh, relocated to China in 2016. Um, really incredible story. I can't wait for you to hear about why she made that decision, what her experience was like. At one point, she thought she was going to be arrested by the Chinese army, but they were actually, well, you'll have to listen to learn more. But she was an absolute pleasure to talk to today. And I think you're really going to enjoy her story and enjoy what she has to share before I introduce you to her, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, you want to see more, you want to help it impact and help other people, then please engage and interact. If you're watching on YouTube, like, share, comment, uh, subscribe. If you are listening on an audio podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, leave us a honest review put some notes in your review to help other people see that this show is worth listening to and that you receive value from the content here um all right so let me introduce you to mono mono is a former chief financial officer hailing from new york city and relocated all the way to china in 2016 Motivated by her desire to spend more quality time with her three sons, she made the decision to move to China. She freelances as an account analyst and is also actively engaged in teaching a range of subjects, including economics, accounting, physics, and mathematics at an international school in China. All right, let's dive in and hear from Mano. Welcome to the Brave Widow Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Jones. We help young widows heal their heart, find hope, and dream again for the future. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Brave Widow Show. Today, I have a special guest. I have Mono, and she has made all sorts of accommodations for us. It is 10.01 p.m., where she lives. So Mono, oh my gosh, thank you so much for coming on the show today and for being available at such a late time. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I have my nighttime nightcap wine. <laughs> I love it. I've got coffee. It's 9.05 a.m. here and she's got wine. So we're yes. just celebrating both ends of the day and night uh, at the same time, which is awesome. Yes. So tell everybody where you lived, how you ended up there. Uh, I I read, obviously, what you turned in, but you just really have an incredible story. Um, and I'm sure they'd love to know a little bit more about you. Um. I live in China, or currently the current city I'm living in, in Shenzhen, China, which is 10 minutes away from Hong Kong and uh, about an hour away from Guangzhou, where all the factories of China are. So 
um, living in New York, everything's fine. Everything's happy. I have three sons. My twins were maybe a year, a little bit over a year when their dad passed away. And then I tried to live in New York for another two years. And just figured out that that situation, that job situation is not designed for me to survive as a solo parent. It's just financially, uh, socially, it's just not designed. So, so had to make drastic moves. Opportunity came up. Hey, want to move to China? And uh, I had only a little bit of information about China, but I was like, I'll do anything. I'll try anything. So my now, main... Wait, wait a minute here. So <laughs> you're looking for a change in your career. You're looking for something that will help you feel successful as a parent, as a solo parent, and also financially support you and your family. Where did China come from? Where did you just get a random email? Like what happened? So... um. After my husband passed away, I had two years of struggling in the States as a solo parent. I worked as a CFO, so I wasn't making just a little bit money. I had a really high paying, high pressure job. So um, my career was on top of the world. Like I had, I was, I had made it. I was on top, but my kids were suffering because I couldn't be there. If you are on top of the game, you don't see your kids. You see them, you leave before they wake up and you come back and they're still asleep. They have already gone to bed because they're school, they're young. And on weekends, they're, um, I had nannies. So they had this event or this game and you're busy on the weekends also. So maybe you see your own children for two hours. And even with as much money I was making, a large chunk of it was going towards childcare, which I couldn't believe because I needed 24-hour childcare because the twins, and I have twin boys, I have three sons, the twins were just like maybe a little bit over a year old. And I tried. I really tried to adjust, have a work-life balance. I wanted to see their kids. While their dad was alive, it didn't feel that bad when I worked a lot because they were with a parent if I was working. You could tag team each other. Um, but after he passed away, you couldn't anymore. You, uh, It was just, they're these really nice ladies. The nannies were wonderful ladies. Like I would recommend them to anybody. But they didn't feel like my kids anymore. They, I had kids for a reason. Yeah. And they just felt like I handed them over to someone else. So that was my biggest fear. Yeah. So I met someone and he's like, I'm moving to China. I'm like, that sounds interesting. Okay. Do you want to move to China? Yeah, okay, I'll go with you. So <laughs> I love it. I traveled with three children. A woman who's always had nannies had to travel on a 22-hour flight by herself. So... That was a very interesting career. But after almost eight years, I'm happy to say we are expert travelers. We go through immigration. We go through customs like with flying colors, including my sons. They figured it out. <laughs> I love that so much. Just your sense of adventure and your sense of knowing what you want 
And uh, I kind of went through the same thing where in my job, I was traveling probably 50 to 75% of the time. And my in-laws were taking my kids here, there, everywhere. And like you said, I just felt like someone else was having to do a lot of the things that I should be doing as their parent. When it was their dad, that was fine. But when it's someone else, it just feels a little bit different. So I'm curious. really different. Yeah. I'm curious too, if you felt yourself, a lot of people say they feel like they change. They feel like their interests change. Was there anything about your career you felt kind of changed where you just either didn't have that same drive or you felt like, oh, I'm just not really interested in this as much as I was before? I did lose a lot of motivation. Like I was on fire. I, I was the best at what I did. And I just felt like I used to tell my sister, I don't have that drive at work anymore. I don't have that instinct anymore. So that was a big, big, big issue. Yeah. Yeah, I do hear that. I do hear that pretty, pretty often. And I felt like my priorities changed as well um, after that experience. So, okay, you're in China. You are a traveling expert guru. So if anyone needs travel tips, Monica can tell you how to get through customs. But tell us some. Yeah. So um, it's it's it was interesting. I landed here because I didn't know any better with 12 suitcases. Uh, The person I was with had to show up with a moving van, not just a regular car. A moving van came to pick me up. Six carry-ons with kids like they it wasn't even like they could pull stuff uh we almost derailed a whole flight in shanghai airport in 2016 we had a transfer and my incoming flight was late and i was dragging children and it was literally the chinese army who provides security at the airport uh because i would have missed my connection flight to the next city um each one of them grabbed my child and I don't know the language back then I don't know what they were saying and I'm like I guess I'm being arrested but they they took us to our connection flight this is amazing I think I'm being arrested oh wait I'm being escorted (laughs) to my next flight they want this lady out of here with her and her kids they did not want you staying at the airport And I'm a little bit of a germaphobe and I got over it pretty fast when two of my twins were just laying on Shanghai airport's ground. They just gave up after a flight from New York all the way to Shanghai. They were just laying on the floor and I'm like, there's germs. Oh no. (laughs) So you get over germs pretty fast. Yeah, you you do as as a parent, I think so. All right. Well, tell us your story um, about you and your person. And if you want to start with how you met or you want to start with your relationship, um, but I'm sure people would love to learn more about that too. So um, this was, I was 36 years old when my husband passed away and we were married for almost 15 years. So I'm not used to being single. I'm never, <laughs> I, it was just a fear of everything. It was, you gave up a life. Like you had a dream about how you're going to live your life. How you're going to raise your kid. You've picked out the house you're going to retire in. You have picked out your career, your kid's schooling. And 
if a parent, God forbid, if somebody's parent dies or a sibling dies, you're sad, but nothing changes. But when your spouse dies, it's how you have your breakfast to now all your life decisions are gone out the window, everything. So besides mourning your spouse, you also mourn the life you thought you're going to have. And I, I feel like the biggest mistake I was doing was trying to hold on to that life, trying to not change, being angry about not only did I lose a partner, I lost the dream. Like we had planned to have an, one more kid. We had planned to go there on vacation and we had planned to, for my oldest, his graduation and this college and this lifestyle. So. Um, that um, I, I met someone nice um, and he has never been married before or had kid, never had kids before. So for him, it was, and I still think is an adjustment. Like he's not used to it. And me being a dominant person with a very strong personality and having three sons who seem to have a very strong personality, that kind of worked out like, so he didn't have to step up that much. It was more like, I'll do it. Uh, just recently, my oldest son, I had to teach him how to shave. And um, the person I'm with wasn't around. He travels a lot. He goes to other cities in China. He He's back to New York. So wasn't around. And that was an adventure trying to teach my older son how to shave. Shave. I bet it was. And it 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 was a sad event that his dad wasn't around, but with his and my attitude, it just became a comedy show of watching YouTubes and being like, maybe do it like this. And then I suggested I do it like this on my arm and his, but it's my face. <laughs> yeah, I feel like when it's your face and your throat, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's a yes. little different, but yeah. But um like, I am sad that dad isn't around to share this. But at the same time, I try not to make things too sad for my kids. That's my goal. We want to remember him in a good way, not in a self-pity. Oh, my God, I wish somebody was around way. Right. So I get Father's Day presents as much as I get Mother's Day presents. Oh, from all my kids. And they've always done that. Oh, that's awesome and sweet. So how yeah. how long has it been since your husband passed? 10 years. 10 years. And was it something you expected or it was completely unexpected? Um, we expected it because he had a heart defect, but we didn't expect it because it was now the lawsuit is done. So it was a malpractice. It was a hospital error. Hmm. So he dropped off our elder son to school, said goodbye to him, went for a regular checkup uh, routine, and the doctor did a mistake. And within eight days, he was in ICU and all his organs were shutting down. Oh so God. the reason he was in the hospital getting tested is because we knew he was born with a heart defect. So they needed to check other stuff. So it was a routine thing. He used to go all the time to the hospital to check stuff up. Yeah. So it, I got both of it. I was like, okay, so... We know he's sick and his heart condition and his doctors have spoken to me. But at the same time, he just went for a routine checkup. He was fine this morning. He was 
he couldn't eat before his test. And I remember talking to him like the last time I had a real conversation, I was at work, called me up and he goes, I'm going to eat so many McDonald's when I come out. And I'm like, you're not allowed that. <laughs> so that was the real last conversation I had with him. All right. Okay. And what was that? Um, you're a take charge person. You're a get it done kind of a person. What was that like kind of in the aftermath of the shock and then trying to figure out you have the funeral and you have the responsibilities he did around the house with the kids, like all of that for you probably felt like it just imploded. It it was, I was told because I, for me, it was a daze, but I was told by family, friends, and my sister and everything said you were, they said you were super practical and you were super stoic during the whole process. Like you were, your brain, and I don't remember much of it. Even if I sit and try to remember that, do you remember that year? Like the first year? There like, are a lot of things I I do remember, uh, but there are a lot of things that I don't care to remember either. I I don't, I try to, I don't remember a lot of it. Everybody said, but you were very organized, very stoic. Like his last day, you made sure his son was there to say goodbye. You called up all the family and said, listen, I'm going to take him off life support now. If you want to come say goodbye, you have the next 24 hours to come. You make sure like his sister got there, his cousins, uh, my kids said goodbye, like, and after he passed away, funeral and stuff like that. But I don't remember. For me, this is all a haze. I don't remember doing all that. Yeah. Well, I think especially those first few days and those first few months, you're in survival mode. And it's yes. just the bare minimum of what has to be done to get done. And when you're especially in, in such a high powered career. I mean, you're used to like making decisions, just getting it done, getting through the crisis, getting through the stress. Um, you kind of go into this like work mode, right? Like uh, I had people at work telling me, oh, you're just checking off the box of everything that has to be done. And I'm like, well, I, what else are you supposed to do? Right? Like got to have the funeral, got to have the service, got to get the kids in counseling, got to order the books, got to do all this stuff because that's what we know to do. Um, yeah. but yeah, it is hard because that is kind of a default mode and, and an easy way for us to move forward. But it was probably a good six months before I felt like I even really had my feet underneath me and I was coming out of, okay, the water's not up here, right? Like I'm not drowning up to my eyeballs. I can kind of breathe a little bit and kind of look around and figure out what is really going on. That, that that is like that's the best way of describing it because I don't remember like first almost year but then I do remember around um he passed away in May around December New Year's actually finally feeling lonely finally feeling like wait I don't have a partner to say what happened at work anymore I have no one to discuss any of my kids situations and I'm like and that was like a big thing for me like I have nobody to share the decision making process for my kids anymore so the person I'm with like is helpful but you can tell like not his kids not not gonna make 
too many major decisions because if he makes the suggests the wrong one, he might get into trouble. Like, yeah, he's gonna go with but, what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but and I realized there's there's nobody like everything is my decision. There cannot be a moment where I could be like, I can't make this decision. You do it, or I am tired, or I'm exhausted, or I'm mentally. There is no break. Yeah. There's nobody to catch the ball for a second so you could take a break and sit down. Yeah. That was one thing I just talked about with another um, individual on the show is when you're a solo parent and especially when you don't have a good family support system, you're always on. Like you never get that time to just turn off or to grieve or to think of yourself because you're always caring for your kids or pets or whatever else is, um, in your life. And I, I know for me, like you said, not having that thinking partner, not having that person to bounce ideas off of, <clears throat> it became really, I really, I I've not been an insecure person. I've been fairly confident person, but making decisions, it was always nice to hash it out, talk it out, get another perspective. Yes. And that now it was like, well, I mean, who is that person now that's going to be just as invested as me as a success of our family? And that is a very isolating feeling. Very. Uh, the twins. Now I have twins. When they have parent-teacher meeting, for me, it's a tag team back and forth between this class and that class, back and forth with this teacher, that teacher. And uh, I'm lucky I live in China, so I don't understand the language that much. So I can bow out and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to go to the other kid. <laughs> so. You've got this figured out. I love it. So, <laughs> and I could be like, mm, no idea what you're saying. So I'm going to go to the next class and see if I understand her better. So. Oh, I love it so much. Most people would be like, oh, I don't understand the language. It's very frustrating. You're like, I, I, sorry, I don't, I don't know. I'm going on to the next Oh, time. I've gotten out of some. So I've lived here for eight years, seven, eight years now, since 2016. So um, eventually you learn the language, even if you try not to. You, you end up because English is not, everybody does not speak English. But I can still get away with, I have no idea what you're saying and just keep walking. <laughs> My sons are like, mom, you understand? Shh, shh, stop. <laughs> I love it. You're a woman on a mission. You got places to go, people to see, and you are not going to be slowed down by anyone else. So that's amazing. <laughs> so what what would you say as you were um, helping your kids grieve or helping them through life, like through some of those moments of learning to shave and learning to do some of those things when they would want their dad there? Like what what would you tell people is something that has helped you with that? I, th what I'm going to say is controversial or maybe not. I don't know. As a parent, they were really young. They were really young. So they took their cues on how to grieve from me. That was my moment of if I broke down and go into depression and lay in bed all day, that's what they think is okay. If I keep going and they see me smiling and they see me living at the same time, remembering their dad, whose picture is actually 
down there somewhere. So they will, they will move on. They take their cues of how to, they're going to learn from me how to grieve. So um, just recently, my, um, one of the twins, um, he is like more like me. The others are more quiet, but he's more like me. And he goes, I'm like, what happened? He goes, I wish I had a dad. And I'm like, oh, how would you say that? I'm like, am I not good enough? And he goes, no, 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 not that. That's not the reason I'm saying. I'm saying, so somebody could help you and you're not doing everything alone, alone. So they feel it. They they see me running back and forth. They see me trying to figure things out. They see the only person working, paying bills. So they, they see all that. And yeah. for a 10-year-old to realize that and be like, I wish I had a dad more for you than myself at this point. So that is sweet. It's what they take cues from you. So for my sons, I they took cues from me. Of course, I put them in therapy. The twins really didn't care much about it because they were really young but my older son was in therapy for a year year and a half and he's doing pretty well well that's good yeah and I think of course you are enough as a mother and as someone who loves her kids I think there's something special to say mothers are usually good at certain things or you go to them for certain things and dads are special in their own unique way and so I understand that like not feeling that you can't be both of those people, but wanting both of those people to be a present figure in your life and, and to kind of fulfill that role. So I'm sure that that would be really tough. Um, not, not having that too. So, okay. That is difficult to explain. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have a male figure, but that doesn't mean we're going to turn out to be bad males. That just means we'll be better. That's what I told them. <laughs> well, they will learn to be really great husbands because you're going to treat them <laughs> how to. I taught them how to cook, how to do laundry. They're straight A's. <laughs> so I went down the list. <laughs> and my son goes, my son will make dinner. He goes, how come I'm making dinner? I'm like, because I kind of complain about your dad's mom a lot because he didn't know how to cook. So I'll be damned if your wife complains about me. <laughs> oh, no. I love it. So, <laughs> oh goodness. So, um, we've laughed a lot today, which I think is awesome. And, um, I, I love laughter. I think it's very healing. I know there are some people earlier in their journey and I remember being there as well, where I thought, oh, I'll never be able to laugh again. I'll never find happiness. My life is going to be miserable um, what encouragement would you give those people to say, to give them hope to say, it may not feel like it today, but you can find joy again in your life. I remember, I remember driving to work, crying, driving back, crying, seeing a couple crying. Like I, I remember that. And the only thing that believe it or not pushed through was my kids. Like I cannot cry in front of them. Like I will cry in front of them, but I can't be depressed. There's a difference between crying and being sad and being just completely doom and gloom and being like, my life has ended. No, my life hasn't ended. I love my husband. I was with him. We have amazing memories. And I just thought about all the good times. I was thankful for what I had. And that's the only thing I could do is just be thankful for what you had. We had an amazing life. We had three amazing kids and 
that's all you can do. That's a really interesting point because one thing that I noticed probably a few months ago was that when those, when you're first widowed, you have those waves of grief that just hit you and you're incredibly sad and it almost kind of ruins what should be happy moments because you're happy about something and then you remember like, oh, but my person isn't here. So it's not as happy as it could be. And it makes you wonder, will I ever be happy again? But I noticed the more that I've healed and and done the work that as I have those moments, instead of a wave of sadness hitting me, it's a wave of gratitude. So it's yes. like gratitude becomes the replacement for feeling sad or wishing that they were there. And not that I don't ever get sad, but I think I can, as I look back or I have those emotions that come up, it's just more of a, oh, I'm so grateful for the life that we had and what we were building and and what we accomplished and that I can know that feel that Nathan is still with me, even as I'm going through some of these other things, it just looks and feels a little different. It's different. Like, I had an amazing life in New York and I miss it, but my life here is still amazing and and it's just different. It's it's a completely different lifestyle. I could never imagine ever living in China while he was alive. Like, I, I don't even think it just occurred to us. Yeah, so. I mean, that's... That's incredible. So what should people think about if they're like, you know what, I'm going to move to another country, I'm going to take the leap and drag my kids and 55 suitcases through the airport, like the Chinese military escorting you to your next plane so you don't stay there. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a lot that you have to think about and you probably had to apply for a visa or something to be able to stay there. And yeah. And um, uh, there's a lot of American companies here. I deal with their account analysis. I did go from being CFO, being top to just, but you make enough money. The cost of living is low enough where you could actually live a comfortable life. And now I teach a lot of business um, in an international school. So I get summers off with my kids. I get winters off for Chinese New Year with my kids. So I I have a lot more quality time with them. And that I thought was more important than the financial that I could only give them in New York. Yeah. Yeah, because what is the point of making those finances if you don't have time to spend it or you don't have time to spend with your kids and your family? And yeah, I I, kind of look at it as, we have seasons of life and there are seasons of life where I'm going to hustle and work hard and financially do the best I can. And there are seasons in life. I'm going to slow down and enjoy and savor the time I have while my kids are still in high school before they graduate. And um, yeah, I, I have heard a lot of others as well, wanting to change jobs, wanting to lessen the responsibility because they feel like they're priorities are a little more sharpened and at that moment in life that's what they want I believe in change is good it's painful but it is good it is good if I stayed there financially I would eventually break with all like I said I was making good money and I still felt like I wouldn't be able to keep up with just one income and three kids in New York City yeah, I, I imagine that's very, very expensive, especially with, with all that child care. But 
All right. Well, what parting words of wisdom or encouragement would you give to people um, who listen to your story and may find themselves in a similar situation? Uh, only thing I would say is the person that you were when you were with him is still inside you. That person is depressed, but that person is still inside you. You were happy at one point. You were strong at one point and you were going forward. You just have to connect with that person again. Connect with that person. That person existed before you met your spouse, while you were with your spouse, after your spouse is gone. Don't let that person disappear because you'll need that person. That's the only thing. That's the only way I can describe it. Mm, beautifully said. I know so many of us feel like we're a totally different person and we've changed and we've evolved. Um, but you're right. That core of who we are is is still there and we don't have yes. to to lose them. So thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure and I appreciate you being willing to share your story. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Brave Widow podcast. I would love to help you take your next step, whether that's healing your heart, finding hope or achieving your dreams for the future. Do you need a safe space to connect with other like-minded widows? Do you wish you had how-tos for getting through the next steps in your journey, organizing your life, or moving through grief? What about live calls where you get answers to your burning questions? The Brave Widow membership community is just what you need. Inside, you'll find courses to help guide you, a community of other widows to connect with, live coaching and Q&A calls, and small group coaching where you can work on what matters most to you. Learn how to heal your heart, find hope, reclaim joy, and dream again for the future. It is possible. Head on over to bravewidow.com to learn more.